Good evening. Welcome to the CG Pro podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, and if you like what we are up to, then you can follow us a bit more at becomecgpro.com. So tonight we have a very special guest. He's a good friend of mine, Pun. Uh, welcome, 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 Pun Mungatrun. Um Welcome to the CG Pro podcast. Thanks, I am going to do a very quick intro um and then please feel free to fill in the gaps but pun is a a filmmaker is a very talented filmmaker makes his own movies but he's also uh, worked at many of the big studios in the world uh in visual effects he's spent a good amount of time at disney working on some of their brilliant feature animations and worked on things like jurassic world and uh, mandalorian uh, jungle book is where we met and worked on that movie um you can also find him potentially at uh, Amazon Studios these days, and yeah, I'll leave it there um, in, with a, with the risk of butchering it anymore, and let you fill in the gaps. But Pun, welcome! It's great to have you here. Awesome, thanks, Ed. Thanks for having me, man. Um, I don't do this for anybody. You're a very special person. That's why I'm here. So I'm, I hope to learn something from you. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's go. All yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So, so um, go ahead, please. I w I always love at the beginning of this to ask, kind of, um, beginning beginning questions like what what got you into this mess in the first place? How did you find filmmaking, visual effects? What were some early inspirations that made you feel like you wanted to get into this and do this for a living? Oh, um, cool. Well, you want to start from the very beginning. Interesting. From day one. Yes. Yeah. So this is funny. I was just talking to my wife about this. Like we were talking about our childhood and I don't remember much about my childhood, but what I remember is me laying around with my brother, like laying on the floor, drawing pictures and reading comic books. So that's all I remember growing up as a kid, drawing and reading comic books. Um, for the longest time, I wanted to be a comic book artist because I, I didn't think making movies is, is a thing, you know? Um, it's, I didn't think because I grew up in Thailand, so like making a movies for Disney ILM is just not a possibility. So and then we, we finally moved to the US when I was 12 and um, all throughout my childhood, my, my high school years, all I did was play video games, <laughs> play video games and drew pictures. And then I, I was a horrible student, man. I, I hated everything. I hated going to school. I hated. Yeah. So after school, after high school, um, I was just working at, at a restaurant as a waiter. And then one time, one day my buddy said like, hey, I'm gonna go take this road trip to go check out the school. You wanna come with me? I didn't have anything better to do, so I went. So we were, I was living in Virginia at the time, so we were going to Pittsburgh. And he was going to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh to check out the graphic design program. And when he got there, I saw that they had a program called computer animation, which is use computer to do artsy stuff and animate it and you work in video games. I was like, I didn't even know that existed. That's a weird thing. This is back in 1995. Yeah, so I didn't know such a degree existed. And I knew I wanted to be an artist. I, I knew I wanted to be like some sort of artist, but I didn't think it was good enough to be a comic book artist. And then, so I thought like, there's gotta be a way that I can combine all my love of movies, comic books, drawing, computers, video games. That's what this whole thing is, man. That's 
the stuff that we do every day is literally a combination of all those things. So, um, so I took some classes. It took, a, it took their course for about nine months until I ran out of money and I had to drop out. So I went to Barnes and Noble and got um, 3D Studio Max for dummies book. And, <laughs> um, and I learned 3DS Max. Actually, I'm, I'm sorry, I take it back. Back then it was probably 3D Studio Release 4 on DOS, yeah. even before Max. Um, and that's it. That's how I got that. So I, I taught myself, made a domain reel. Um, a friend of mine that went to school with me was working at a, on a Sky Captain of the World of Tomorrow. And finally they had an opening, like we're looking for a modeler. I wanted to be an animator at the time, but I knew how to model. So I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I just spent like a couple of weekends, hardcore, creating a modeling demo reel. And I got my first gig. You can probably see my poster right right there. It's kind of dark, but that's yeah. actually a poster of Sky Captain and the, and the World of Tomorrow. Oh, that amazing. was my, um, my first movie. Um, and that was back in 2003, 19 years ago. That's kind of scary how old we are. Yeah, um, it's, it's <laughs> real. Um, oh, Jackie said she worked on that movie too. That's right. I think we talked about that. And so I've been in, in the industry ever since in all sorts of roles. I started off as a modeler. And then after a while, I went into, I got a job at Image Movers Digital, where I was work, working in the art department as a CG concept artist for a while. And then I went to do some previous work with Halon and Unit 11. And that was so much fun. I love, love, love working in previous because I feel like that's where like the filmmaking happens. Because I spent so long making assets, like doing work in the front end. But like working in previous, you work with the directors, you you read the script and you're like, how would this look like? What would this look like in the movies? Um, so that that I feel like ever since then, like it really got me into filmmaking. It I thought about filmmaking more holistically as opposed to before when you're like, I just like making assets. I just like you know, modeling or texturing or even animating. But I feel like previous really is a combination of a lot of those skills and more, and a lot of traditional skills. Um, pacing, editing, animating, you know, shop design, all of those things. Um, and then after that, I, ended up, I landed at Disney Animation for a while. And the thing during, at my time at Disney is when Unreal started like getting, you know, popular. I think when Kite Boy came out, that's mm. what, right? Is that right? Kite Boy was like the first thing that like, and I think that's about the time when they made Unreal free. So I just saw like, oh man, you can do all sorts of fun stuff with this. And I started diving deeper into it. And funny enough, when in the beginning of, like right before the pandemic at the beginning of 2020, I was already in Unreal. I was like, you know, into it quite a bit. I was visiting my buddy up in San Francisco, Landis Fields, who um, I don't know if you know him, he, he works at ILM. He, we went out to lunch. It's like, dude, how are you liking Disney? Do you have any desire to jump ship and do something else? And I was like, interesting. And then he he said, like, you should come come work with I, at ILM with me, you know, doing all this unreal stuff, doing virtual production, um, working the volume, creating content. And it's it, it kind of blew my mind because like I've already been thinking about that, but like not the, it just it was just a coincidence that. He was already doing it. I was doing it. We lost touch in a while, for a while. We got back together, and he's 
already doing it at the highest level. And he was just looking for someone else and, you know, he brought me in. And that's how I ended up at ILM. I worked on one season of Mandalorian season three. And then after that, um, a friend of mine over at Amazon was looking for someone else. So I, I just thought it was like a great opportunity and great time to move on. And here we are. That brings us up to the present day. Yeah, I, I totally missed the part about when we worked on the Jungle Book together. And that's that was virtual production, but I guess in the in a different form back then, a little bit different, but it was still yeah quite virtual, and a yeah, 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 arguably virtual production, but uh, not not in a not fully, in an LED. Like it was fully just not just in a different you know form, different yeah right yeah, and then yeah again Lion King after that different form and yeah Mandalorian yeah. after that different form again. And I wonder, dude, in like five years, what is it going to be like? They're going to be like, oh, like, look at all those um, LED panels in the dumpsters. What are we going to do with all those things? Because now we have, I don't know, XYZ. <laughs> it's going to be holographic volumetric right. projection. Right, the same you're... thing. Holographic, yeah. real holographic stuff. Can you imagine, man? Yeah, no more. You don't need a, a full stage, a full volume, all that electricity. Um, yeah, I should be reeling that back because now I'm talking against my own best interest. <laughs> talking yourself out of a job. Yeah, Science fiction that. becomes reality. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So um, there's a lot, lot to unpack there. You know, you 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 talked about uh, childhood dreams coming true. Essentially, trying to trying to figure out. Uh, seeing some what you saw as limitations at the time you're in a country and an age and a skill set that you didn't feel like it was a possibility for you and, and right. look at you now hey look at me now you know what i attribute it all to i attribute it all to the fact that i get bored very easily so right. <laughs> whatever job i'm doing I'm like oh look at that new cool thing let's learn it real quick and then like, you know, it'd be awesome if someone pays me to do this for a living and then I do it and then I was like, oh, look at that new thing. <laughs> right. So curiosity. But, yeah. Curiosity for sure. And, and just, yeah, wanting to learn the, the pleasure of learning and finding things out and just doing it. You know, I'm never bored because there's always more stuff to learn and more stuff to do. So how did, how did it, sorry, go ahead. No, no, if anything, it, it, it hurts. It's annoying. I wish I can just sit around and play video games and enjoy myself, but I can't because my brain just keeps running like, dude, you should be doing this. What are you doing playing video games? So. I, feel, I feel the same way. Uh, so how, how did it feel when you got that like early glimpse of feeling like you kind of knew what you wanted to do? What did it it's, feel like? It's, oh man, that's a great question because it's, I don't want to say cliche and it's like, it's just awesome, whatever, but it felt like I finally have something to focus towards, to focus on because, um, like I said, I was such a bad student, but it's because I didn't have any interest. I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I, I guess I, I mean, I pursued art, but honestly to become what a, a professional fine artist or a photographer or a, it just it was fun but it just didn't sound like a job to me 
So when I found out that there's this thing computer animation, this because I, I love computers, I love techie stuff, I love art, I love video games. That's when I found out about that culmination of all those things that I love that you can actually make a living out of. It's there. There's no feeling like it. Um, and and with that said, I I always tell people, students, friends, whoever asks me questions, strangers on the bus, that you just got to throw a lot of stuff at the wall until something hits. Yeah. Um, because something will hit and, and you're, you're, because you never know what you're going to like until you do it, until you try to do it and try it. And once you do it for a while, you're like, oh, this is fun. I mean, I've tried a bunch of things that didn't quite work out that I enjoy, but not that I would want to make a living out of for the longest time. Also, I thought I wanted to be a photographer, but then I was like, and then my interest waned and then moved on to this thing, but like CG and filmmaking has just been that rock you know, solid the whole time for the past 20, 30, 25 years. So I'm, I'm so grateful and thankful that I found it. It's one of those things, you know, how people always joke around and they're like, I hate my job. Oh, who doesn't hate their jobs? Everybody hate their job. Like, I don't, I don't hate my job at all. I love my job. I, you know, it's awesome. Sometimes it's stressful. Sometimes it's, but most of the times it's rewarding. And most of the times so they're like, I get paid way too much to do fun shit that, um, I'm just so grateful and it just feels so lucky that I found that one thing. So I don't know if that answered your question at all. I just babbled on yeah. again. Yeah. No, it definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just re re uh, really interesting to hear because I know that there's a lot of people out there who are trying to figure out what to do and, or, or they know what to do and they don't think that they can accomplish it or they're doing something they love, but they see something else that's maybe even more exciting. And I think it, like just having that, um, it's inspiring to hear someone else talking about that journey, talking about how you found it. It's not just, um, I think a lot of people see people that have, are in the position where they do something they love and being successful at it and think that they fell into that position and they were just lucky or it was given to them or that there's some weird alien that has special skills. Um, yeah, it's really useful and, and inspiring, I think, to hear that you you found it by the process of elimination to a great mm -hmm. extent of trying a bunch of stuff that didn't stick and finding things that excited you and following them and pursuing that, that curiosity, but, but following something that really spoke to you and right. not following the other things that maybe think you thought you should do or society thought you should do. You, you followed your own intuition. And honestly, it's so much fun that it's one of those things where even if I didn't get paid to do this, I would probably still do it just for fun, just to make pretty pictures, make pretty videos, movies, just for my own satisfaction. And yeah. yeah right. That's fantastic. I mean, it's, I think it's, yeah, just, just uh, for our listeners, I think there's a lot of people who are wanting to get into the industry, people who are in the industry. Um, and I found this actually in the middle of my career in the industry as well, that uh, whilst I, I felt for a good long time, like I'd found something exactly the same thing. I felt super lucky. I, was, I would have been doing it anyway. I just felt incredibly lucky. And then I found this moment where I, I didn't feel that same way about it anymore. And I felt really crushed because I'd already left one industry and got into this one. And I had that kind of this moment in the middle where I had this dip. Where I felt like I was, maybe I'll go do something else. And and when was actually, that? How, how long ago was that? Um, I'd say it was probably about eight, 
nine years ago, maybe somewhere around that's, there. Uh, that's at, right after Jungle Book or before? Just before it was before. Okay, yeah. before. Okay. Yeah. You feel like you were burning out from the industry. Like you don't feel lucky, grateful to be in the, in where you are anymore, right? Is that what you were saying? Yeah. Okay. And I think I think for me, I'd kind of also pushed myself so much at the beginning to make it and get in the door and get the skills. And I worked so hard that I wanted to just take my foot off the gas for a minute and just not like thrust quite so so fast. Uh, for a bit. And I think I did that for a little bit too long. And I wasn't yeah. really pushing it. I wasn't really growing anymore. And I, I put a lot of it on myself. Um, but then also, for me, this this new phase that we're in at the moment really kicked it up a notch and made me really excited about it again, as well. Yeah, on top of that, I, you know, how many times how many friends I've had that said the same exact thing, and all, all the friends around the same, that's been in the industry around the same time. Because yeah. I, I felt the same exact way. I mean, I was working at Disney Animation. I was a modeler working on like the highest caliber project, but I was just going through the motion. And I was like, this is fun and all, but but, but I want more. And then when Unreal came around, um, it, 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 it made me feel like when I was learning 3D Studio from that book again, where right. there's so much stuff that I don't know. I gotta, I gotta learn all this stuff and make pretty pictures because I know what's possible. I know what people have done and I know that this thing is free and I know that the knowledge can be garnered, can be earned, can be gained. So, so you see a path, right? And then, yeah, it, it, it rejuvenated the, the love for the industry big time. And yeah. so many of my buddies at ILM and Amazon and everywhere, they, they all felt the same. They're like they've worked at the, at ILM at the highest caliber place on the highest caliber movies. And then they're like, yeah, it's just another day at the office now. But then with, when Unreal came around, when they started running virtual production, it's like, holy shit, it's so much fun. Yeah. Made CG so. fun again. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. That, uh, speaking of, of the passion for what you do, or some, something I've always respected about you a lot as well as that you, you make your own movies as well um, and work, work on your own projects and directed in produce your own your own films right yeah thanks um yeah it, it's this is one of those things where i keep thinking like i just keep working at it and one day it's gonna pay off one day someone's gonna believe in me enough to give me a big bag of money to go make a movie for them so it's so close just a matter of time ed but <laughs> but thanks but, you know what but i feel like thanks for me Thank God that I had that passion that, you know, for pushing towards that, because all of that experience and all, all of that knowledge is actually helping me with my current job, helping me with Unreal, helped me with previous, helped me with a lot of my day-to-day -day job because of that hobby, that passion on the side. How, um, tell us how, how, uh, how it helps you. Okay. Um, so. I've always been interested in photography. So knowing photography and knowing how the mechanics of a camera works and how light works and f-stop, aperture, shutter speed, and then that easily translate into cinematography, right? Because I mean, photography is basically cinematography, but on a moving platform. Um, so knowing all that and knowing filmmaking, knowing filmmaking language um, about everything, pacing, editing, story development, 
all of those things really helped with the previous process. So you can communicate with the filmmaker, you can communicate with the directors in their own language. So when they said, I don't know, like, let's dolly this thing over here and take it down by two stops, bring up rim light over here, and then just like cut it, make it snappier, use this objective camera, all, all of those nerd film talk that I feel like I love, but I, I can communicate with them in, in their own language because they, they don't need to learn our language. We need to learn learn their language because we're supporting them. Um, so same with them. Um, on um in virtual product in virtual production on the mandalorian like speaking with because i have to deal a lot with dp and um, production designers so just feel like seeing the bigger picture seeing the end product seeing the finished film as opposed to piecemeal um this asset this is my asset i'm just gonna work on this asset i don't care about anything else like you no longer can think that way you, you have to think of a whole cohesive world and with every all the players involved you can't just like work in a silo you know now you have to work with the dp you have to think like how are we, how are we going to lay out this set so that the dp can shoot it properly and tell his story and then the, the production designer can build certain things or not build certain things and how this this whole thing makes sense to support the director's vision i feel like when i'm making all these um environments in in the bad I, I try to think of myself as the director. Like, how would I want this thing to be built? As opposed to, there's a concept art, make it look just like that, the end. Right. Yeah. So so um, going back to the start of what you were saying there, the, the, it seems like your love of film and making your own films and being able to understand what those roles actually are really helped you in this, in this industry because in this new way, you have to communicate with those people more directly. We used to be shut off from them in visual effects mostly, but now right. we're connecting with them a lot more in virtual production, part of the fun for me, for sure. Yeah, um, but understanding it, having walked down that path a little bit and, and shot movies and held cameras and being able to talk that language. Is, mm -hmm. So that's really helped you in being able to work in this business. Greatly, yes, yeah. yes, 100% greatly. I, I feel like visual effects have become so like, you know, not, not has become, it's always been um, like assembly line, right? They just grab you from the street, plug you at this thing, you just do this thing. A lot of times you don't even know what you're making. You're just working on this one little shot or one this little asset. And you see the whole thing and you're like, oh man, if I would have known this whole sequence looks like this, I would have thought about things a little bit differently. Yeah, right. So, yep, seeing the forest rather than the trees. How um, how would you, um, what would you recommend to people if they are trying to get into virtual production? Say somebody who's starting out, who's um, in the position where they're they're interested, something's piqued their interest, and they want to take it further. Well, when you say get into virtual production, I feel like I get that question all the time. Yeah. Say let's say the let's say the VAD then. Oh, just okay. keep, Let's keep it more specific. <laughs> Seeing as no, I mean, honestly, because. I do hear that question a lot. People see behind the scene Mandalorian, LED wall, the volume, all that. Like, I want to do that. Like, what do you want to do? Yeah. <laughs> so, because there, there's so much, right? There's the mocap side of things, the operating engine, the creating the bad, the filmmaking itself. So, 
but let's just stick to the bad just because that's what I know best. I feel like you you almost you really you really have to have almost like a, a generalist mindset. Mm. So to be able to model, texture, assemble, compose a whole set and and light the set. Um, and the, the tricky thing about this is that you also have to be somewhat technical, technically savvy to, mm -hmm. to know the software itself. Unreal is a beast, as you know. I mean, you, you teach these things, and I'm sure you still <laughs> pull your hair out sometimes. Yeah. It, um, and dro drop in a new version every 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Right. And the, the tricky thing about it is the fact that it's a software meant for something else entirely, that we're just shoehorning into this filmmaking tool. So people that come from VFX, like, I feel like, okay, I'm sorry. I don't mean people that come from, I personally, I came from VFX. So I have a, a certain mindset, like you're used to things working a certain way. And then when you're working at Unreal, I'm like, well, that's different. So you just import things in, but you can't really manipulate this thing. It's just a different mindset. So, but to work in the band, because you, you would, the, you are basically a generalist using Unreal. That that's all it is. Um, so yeah. you just have to have all of those knowledge, all all that skill set. I know that in 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 a bigger team, it it would get broken up into somewhat specialized. Like you know, someone would maybe laying out the scene and then hand it off to the lighter, and the lighter would um, take care of lighting and a lot of the light baking, the, all the technicalities of it. But so all in all, I feel like you can't just be a modeler, a texture artist, a lighter, a rigger. Like you just have to be, um, and you have to embody that generalist mindset. You have to think about the end product, the whole thing um, as a whole. So you just have to know a DCC, you have to know a texturing program and just learn traditional lighting practice to see if what makes the shot looks good and try to replicate that. I feel like that's that's the advice that I always give people. Learn how Unreal lighting works, the tool, learn the tool set, learn the technicality, and then go try to replicate what the masters have done and try right. that. Yeah. So um, do you think there's a particular path people can take the can they step straight in, straight out of school into a VAD, depending on the skill set that they have? Yeah, I, I think if you are good, modeler, texture artist, and you know Unreal Engine, you can, that, I think that's the, that's the easiest path. Right. Because, but then again, I mean, a lot of times there are so much assets out there, not, not like pre-made assets, like Megascans, Sketchfab, TurboSquids, whatever. So one could possibly just don't know how to model textures at all, just know Unreal, assemble a set together, know how to light, have that artistic eye, and can still get in as a, a strong lighter right. into into a bigger bad team that can be that you can be when you where you can be specialized. So the bigger bigger bad teams are more akin to the traditional VFX a bit. Like you'll have a bit a more specialism, bit more so, but, yeah. but still should be a generalist, ideally. Right. Yeah, I, I yeah definitely, and you should just have a. A good eye. I mean, that's a, that's such a weird thing to say. You have to have a good eye. How do you get that, Ed? You're a teacher. How do you learn how to yeah. have a good eye? 
just beat it into people. What's that? <laughs> I, I, I asked the same question when I got my first job. I wanted a job in commercials because I wanted to be a generalist. I wanted to go through tons of different stuff really fast. Um, and I wanted a great mentor. And I asked my first mentor, uh, an amazing 3D artist, Sean Elliott in London. Uh, he, I, I said, how, how people keep talking about photorealism. How do you do, how do, you do that? Um, it was a sort of dumbly asked question, maybe, but he just said, um, I, I was a computer programmer right before that. I'd done several artistic things in my life. I was a computer programmer and I needed to condition my eye. Um, I needed to find out what that meant, you know, to your, your yeah. question. Um, and re like really a combination of learn, like for me, his, his answer to that was start with photography, try and mo emulate what is real like start with what is real use that as reference use it in your texturing use it in your lights use it as many places you can and you'll get something to look as real as you can but study study great people like you said try and replicate things that look great and and for me as well having that mentor uh somebody who would tell me when something was not good enough um repeatedly for years was really important it kind of chiseled all the rough edges off for me yeah. that really helped but just experience and and learning from the right people uh, that was their time time and, and the right mentor that's true i you know what that that's that's a great point i feel like just being surrounded by top-notch people you you can't help but be better yeah right because um you see what they do day in day out and then you bring your power turd to the table they're gonna laugh at you. So now you have to, but but you have to be able to absorb that and see why yours is not good. Yeah. And they want to fix it. Because if right, if that's not the case, then then the eye is yeah. not there. Yeah. Yeah. Part of your eye is your attitude. So it's, it's yeah. not just having an actual eye. You have to have. Right. You have to be coachable. You have to take criticism and not take it personally and want to do better and want to strive for more, want to constantly grow and want want to take, you know, sometimes unpleasant feedback. Um, yeah, and take it on the chin and say, Okay, yeah, that's fair. I, I remember handing my first pieces of work in and just getting some reactions like what on earth have you done here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is not very nice. But yeah, I mean, in that process, I learned not to do that over time. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. But but I feel like it, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about being curious. I feel like you yeah. should bring a work and then they're going to be like, this is trash, go try it again. But you should be able to say, why is it trash? Can you tell me how to make it better? Or yeah. why is your so good? Why 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 this why do when do I look at your beautiful picture? Why doesn't it hurt my eyeballs? Like why why do <laughs> it give me the pleasant feeling? And I feel like with the right person, they would tell you like well, it's because of this composition, this, you know, the way this thing looks. Um, yeah. So I feel like when you're when you're curious and you try to be better and you ask questions and you you kind of like being a little forceful about it, like, tell me how to be better. Tell me why this sucks. I feel like that that helps a lot. Yeah, for sure. No, this is great. Great advice. Um, we uh, we got a couple of questions coming in here so I can bring one of those one of the one or two of those up um all of them every single one all okay let's go all right strap in uh so 
Here's one. When and how, how, where, how, and when are VAD and traditional art department crossing paths and working together on productions? Did you say where, how, and when? Yes. And who? Where, how, what? and when. Okay. Okay. Maybe who too. Well, I, I can talk to that a little bit, I guess. Um, so both the art department and the virtual art department in a, in most uh, movies that I've worked in or TV series work underneath the production designer. So the pro production designer said like, you know, they design the whole thing or they have a team that designs it. And then he said like, when you work in the volume specifically, I guess, I think the virtual art department would create the whole thing in, in a rough form, just so we can block out the scene. And then we'll say like, okay, where should the volume go? Let's put the volume here. Like, and once that's been decided, like, okay, the volume is right here. We've built the whole thing. Now we can decide what we're going to build practically and what's going to be built um, digitally. A lot of times the virtual art department pro assets inform the traditional art department. And a lot of times it's vice versa. So a lot of times we, we would build, like, let's say you take this room for an example. Um, if I want that back wall to be virtual and the rest to be practical. So maybe the practical ones would be built first. And then when, and then we would either go scan it or we use it as reference to build the last wall, to build the content. Um, that way they will marry each other seamlessly. Um, but sometimes it's the other way around. The art, the virtual art department would get the assets first. They get to it and we build, you know, we build all the virtual assets and then we, possibly we would print it out in like 3D printed or the art department would use it as reference to build their practical sets. So we work together pretty closely and a lot, a lot of times it's not that cut and dry either. A lot of times it goes back and forth even a couple of times. So, but traditionally the VAD would block out rough thing, you know, rough environments. We find the volume location. And then once that's locked in, then we upress everything to the final pixel while the art department create their practical based on our artwork or we and vice versa. That didn't what answer is, any questions. That was amazing. It was a perfect. Um, <laughs> what does what a what's a typical day like for you in the VAD? I um, can talk about some of some of the things that you'd be doing. Um, so depending on where we are in the production so at some I, I can't get too specific but i'll yeah. give you like a, a few different scenarios of a typical day so a typical day may be hey there's a script of the show that they might want to shoot in the volume so let's help them out to to try to create something and inform some decisions so i might just go in and block out in the environment and then and then like put the volume in and then see like, okay, how can we make this work? And um, like, what should we build practically? What should we build digitally? How are we going to hide the seams? Um, and then does it make sense to do this? Like, will this even fit in the volume? What we're trying to do, or is the volume too big? Um, how much set will we have to build? Will it be cost effective? So this is like super early. Most of the times I would just use blocks or grab mega scan assets or whatever assets from you know, that's pre-made. You've and been then, doing it in, in Unreal Engine. In Unreal stage. Engine, sorry, yeah. yeah. All yeah. of this is done in Unreal Engine. Yeah. Um, little sidebar, 
I need to jump into the Unreal, um, Unreal 5, so the modeling tool, because I don't know if you've messed with it. I haven't mm. touched it at all, but I see its capabilities. So mm. I, I need to get into it, because right now I still model stuff in Maya or just use boxes like a sucker, but I've seen how <laughs> awesome it can be. So yep. I think that will help me with this phase of the um, production quite a bit. So that's one phase. And then we present it to the filmmaker. We do a little video walk around or we just do some screenshots and they look at it and like, cool, let's do it. Or no, man, this is going to be too expensive. It doesn't make any sense, whatever it is. So that's one way. Another is another day, which is like takes up most of the times is that we have a new episode of a TV series that we're working on. And the production designer said, this is the set that we need. Let's build it out. So we would go from concept art or some art department 3D files, build it out in Unreal using, again, build it from scratch using photogrammetry, LiDAR scan, laser scan, or pre-made assets, or whatever way we can, it's available to us. So we build that, we light it, we make it beautiful, present it to the production designer. He says, that sucks. I said, why? Tell me why it sucks. And then he'll tell you. And then um, we adjust and we keep tweaking it and then it looks pretty and then we ship it off to a different team where they will optimize it and make it work inside the LED volume and then um the third thing is um that other team that some team to ship me the unreal load and I need to optimize it to make sure that it will play well on the wall it will get 60 frames a second no, there's no weird flickering so that and and this is the last minute where we throw this set onto the volume and we review it in the volume with the cameras, with the DP, with everybody. Like, this is the final review, final dress rehearsal. What if you don't like? Tell me now, I'm going to fix it. But now we actually get to see it in the volume as opposed to in front of a computer, you know, or in VR or whatever it is. Now, now this is like the final dress rehearsal. And we have from the time, the first time we see it to the time, like we actually shoot this probably a few weeks, maybe a month or so, that the DP will get a chance to like bring in his practical lights to try to light the set. The art department will bring in their props to make sure that it, it matches with each other, with the, the content and the scenic. Um, everybody will get their inputs, the directors walk by, and then we just make adjustments all the way up until, until the shoot day. And the whole time while that's happening, it's also optimization to make sure that everything works technically under the hood. Right. Do you, well, do you have a team of, of people doing just optimization? No. What does everybody do optimization? I feel like that's, it, it's not like, I, I, I would not want to put that on a team. No. I feel like everybody should get a little bit of everything, but the, the optimization people are definitely more technical than, than others. They, they, they know the, nitty gritty behind the scene of Unreal more than the, the generalist artist. Right. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, really, really helpful information about how, what it's like on the ground. Do you do a lot of photogrammetry yourselves? I do, I do it, but I do it just for fun. Um, it's, it's still time consuming. I feel like this, is, I'll bet you dude, this is one of those things where maybe two more years, three more years, we're going to look back in the way we do photogrammetry and we're like, that's silly. I, I think it can be better. I think that the process could still improve 
quite a bit. What do you think? I feel like I, I don't want to see the 50 million settings in reality capture. I just want to give it pictures and it gives me back the perfect thing. The oh, for sure. Yeah. Yep. No, totally. I, yeah. I, I just like optimization. Nobody really, really wants to make LODs or yeah. texture pack or no one really wants to be, no one really wants to roto. No one really wants to do match move. Right. Um, yeah, I did. I, I'd happily see that kind of thing go away. Like it, it maybe more um i i'm seeing so much progress in machine learning techniques right. coming into production maybe that will help in this area too yeah i mean if mid-journey can crank out beautiful paintings why can't we get cloud computing of photogrammetry assets that comes out perfect well you like you don't even have to take pictures and have it reconstructed you just speak it into 3d mid-journey and say right. i want 10 beautiful rocks yes <laughs> that's so true all right maybe that's a new squirrel we can chase <laughs> <laughs> it's another business we could start mm -hmm. yeah um another couple questions here um so someone's saying are you guys focused more on a previous output or are you focusing on final content on the wall or both are you guys getting final shots out of Unreal or still using a VFX render solution? Um, I need to be a little bit vague about what I'm saying, what I'm doing, just because Talk they, about older uh, projects, if it helps. But just all the projects that I've worked on so far, the Unreal stuff has been for Final Pixel. Mm. So, but I know that a lot of previous houses, I know Third Floor and Halon use Unreal as for, for their previous rendering um, side of things. And and I'm sure other places do, but those are just the only two I know for sure. And um, just because they're faster, prettier, better, go straight into editorial, in, you know. But for me personally, all the Unreal work that I've done has been for to go into the wall to be shot final pixel. That's the intent. Doesn't mean it's always 100% like that sometimes right. they just don't work out but then you know they just tweak things here and there so but the intent is for it to be final pixel vfx i'll be that um how it's another question here how much does real life production and filmmaking experience help in a previous role is it valued highly or nice to have i i think, I think it's nice. somewhat answered that already but yeah i think it's nice to have but I, I don't no 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 like like real life production held yeah. in the previous role more i don't i don't want to say like hey just because you've worked on set it's beneficial i mean it is beneficial but it doesn't really help with your skill set like i feel like in rather than having um experience working on real life real life production it's more like take a camera and go make a movie and you'll see how much stuff you have goes in into making a movie into thinking about the creative prospect um creative perspective of it as opposed to so i don't know if that's what the question was asking if it's like hey of work in live action production is that going to be beneficial for for previous i don't yeah, know maybe if it's like a requirement or not but it's a, that sounds like not a requirement no. but it does help in some ways but it's correct not the be all end all um, someone else asking here a very specific question. What 
what would a demo reel for a previous artist look like and how would it be different from a previous supervisor? Are we talking about previous or are we talking about bad? Because um, I can speak to both, but yeah, if we're talking about previous, a previous reel would contain sequences of shots that is of a, a story nicely told. So you that, that's that's what it would look like. It would just be a reel full of awesome sequences of clear storytelling that's exciting and dynamic. Um, the, the thing about previous is that most of the shots that we do is is action shots. So we're not going to do like two people sitting around talking and being all dramatic acting. So so that's not what previous is for, obviously. So, so previous is more for shots that's hard to visualize on paper. So hardcore action sequence, car chases, dinosaurs fighting each other, that it's just very difficult to film. So we have to plan every single thing out you know, so that because production days are so expensive that we have to plan everything out to a T and you use that as a template to start shooting. So a reel full of dynamic, fun, exciting, clear um, action sequences, I think would make a great demo, previous demo reel. Cool. Um, got another question that I think is very similar to what we've already asked. Um, Okay, so what's one here that says, I'd love to know the iterative workflow for previs these days and how you expect it to evolve moving forwards as the movie making process evolves. So tell us the future. How's, huh. it, how's it going to be in the future? We're already living the future, man. <laughs> so it's like now. Yeah. Like it is now. Is now. Um, <laughs> so the iterative process so what the, the question is love to know the iterative workflow for previous these days okay um i don't know you create shots you get in front of directors he makes notes you go back address the notes and then rinse and repeat so i, I don't know much more beyond that sorry and and honestly right. i've been out of the previous game for 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 a bit for because so, i've been in that and in modeling but that's what it looked like when we worked in previous. I can't imagine it's changed because you create a sequence, you show it to the director, he makes notes, he says yeah or nay, and then you adjust and you continue. Maybe there's a little more speed these days because the previous is you're able to see it and change it more in real time. A bit but more. I, I guess you're right. Okay, so let, let's let's dig down a little bit deeper. Um, so a couple of things. So back in my days, we would animate in um, in Maya, and you render out um, Play Blast and throw it into After Effects or Premiere or whatever, and you cut together a sequence, and then you render out a whole movie and you show it to the director. So I don't know what it's like these days because I haven't worked at these previous previous houses. But if I were to do it, you would throw in a mocap suit like one of those XNs or Rococo. So if you need to animate something, you know, because that's obviously going to be quicker, you create a control rig character in, in Unreal that can be done fairly quickly, apply the mocap, animate on top of it, animate the camera, all of that. And then you cut everything inside of Sequencer and you show it to the director. So, so now at this point, the director can say, whoa, that's cool, except for this shot. I wish it was 
more like this instead of like this and maybe about 10 frames longer before you'd have that okay sounds good go back to maya move the camera render out the movies 10 frames longer put in the after effects or premiere adjust the timeline re-render and give it back to them but now with unreal you're like okay go to sequencer move the camera up at 10 more frames Ta-da! yeah <laughs> approval at your desk yeah exactly so i don't know if that's a question but that's the answer I I think so. That sounded good to me. Um, another question here, another very specific one. Um, do you know anything about BIM, the building information module? Um, yes, I've heard of it before. Has it? Do you know if it's been converted to Unreal from other software? I have no idea. No. All right. Well, that but was a, an easy one. My, my good buddy Google would probably know. <laughs> but no, I don't well, know. That, well, there's a good answer the person that asked it um do you guys deal with any cg character performance in the vad that's a good question that, yeah that's that's a I, I, that's a good question because um i do miss character work but um not too often so most of the times that i've dealt with character performances or character work is for digital doubles where we would have received the mocap session, mocap data from from when the director worked with um, the extras or whatever, and then we've just placed them in. So we don't really animate the characters themselves, but me, mostly so far that I've dealt with, this has been with digital doubles, and that's pretty much it. And they do pretty mundane stuff in the background, just walking around, um, sitting, just idle movement, but. I did deal with a little bit of a part where we had to trigger um, an animate and animated characters where they're standing around idle and the act the director would say, and then do this action and then we would trigger it on the control box and the stage at the stage so that the characters will go into uh, some other animation cheering or like that's when he'll start walking or something like that. but. I don't think it's at the fidelity where we can use it in Final Pixel quite yet. The, yeah, it's just not quite there. And it, it, it's and it's not easy to coordinate all of those things, the the triggering and the animation blending. The animation blending is just not quite right. Um, if I were to do it, I would just know exactly what I wanted to do and just have it in the background instead of like blending from idle to something else to something else. Do, is there a department that is called something that handles the animation or is it just the animation department? Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess just the animation department. <laughs> and, and are, they, are they generally animating in Maya still and then pulling the animation in as baked animation? Is any animation being done as far as you're aware using control rigs and that kind of thing? As far as I'm aware in because I deal mostly in the in the volume world with virtual content, um, there there there's not has not been a lot of needs for character anime, yeah. character animation except for these digital doubles, and with that we all just use um, motion capture data. Right. Yeah. But from what Unless I hear, I mean, animals. It, what's that? What if it's animals? Hey, 
you know you've seen some motion capture <laughs> you're getting um are they still doing walking around yeah. um but but i do see a lot of um companies that that makes full animated content using unreal using you know control rig that animates right inside the engine mm. so that that exists just not in my world right yeah it seems like it's highly desirable but people are still most animators <clears throat> are versed in maya yeah so they're still bringing things in from but the... any, what do you think have you animated anything <clears throat> with control rig inside of unreal like like character animation uh a bit yeah i mean i'm not i'm i haven't spent tons of years doing character i've done a lot of character animation but i usually have there's been other people who are actually good at it or fast at it now i'm pretty slow when it comes yeah. to character animation so i have haven't done a ton of it. Like, I I do like it. I I think oh, there's yeah. some things that it needs to, um, some improvements it needs to get animators to really love using it. Like yeah. being able to manage the mass of of curves in the sequencer. It's just there's too many. Uh, okay. Although at least the keyframes, being able to like manage that madness of having a whole control rig and um, right. there may actually be some. I've seen some improvements to. What they've done in five to simplifying it being able to show the hierarchy of the control mm -hmm. rig which is pretty cool as a as like an outliner kind of thing i think some of those things are going to continue to make it better i've done done some of it and i like it i like it love the ability to be able to do it all in one program and not to jump out in and out between programs uh -huh. too much yeah I, I was actually wondering about that about the the user experience yeah. of animating using control rig inside of unreal it I haven't tried myself, but it just seems a little bit clunky, but I don't know. Yeah. I like, I love the curve editor. I think it's really nice. Yeah. The, um, but the other parts of it, I think are catching up a little bit. Okay. Yeah. But this, they've made some big improvements to it in, in five. Okay. Um, and you can see where it's going. I think, you know, the modeling tool improvements and yeah. the control rig improvements is, is trying to take over bits of motion builders job and bits of Maya's job. And, right. Um, right. What about yeah. the skinning? That's what they need to do next. I feel like there, there is a there, there is a path to skinning in Unreal, um, but yeah, nothing really that anyone's using yet. But the, yeah, it, need, it, it needs that at some point as well. I feel like it, at some point that just appear. Yeah, and you can't create bones in Unreal, right? You have to create joints outside of. Yeah, I I don't. Yeah, again, I don't know. Yeah, it's not really, if it does exist, it's not a robust uh -huh. workflow yet. I don't think you can. I don't right. think you can. Okay. Yeah. All right. I don't, there's some really cool stuff, I think, happening in Houdini in that respect as well. Oh, so okay. Wow. Procedural joint building and, and procedural skinning and rigging even. Oh, that's cool. I need to take your Houdini class, by the way. Yeah. I have free time. You're, you're welcome standard. anytime. I won't be seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> coming soon, people. Yeah. Class is coming soon. Um, so we're almost at time, but uh, I want to ask a couple more quick questions. Um, does VAD ever test out their assets by collaborating with previous teams? Is previous part of VAD or adjacent to VAD? It's, we I, work... I guess maybe. Yeah, go ahead. We work closely with Previs. Previs and VAD actually work really closely together because so many times um, the VAD 
won't have the full design, but the pre previous is already running forward with block, you know, designing their shots, blocking other sequences, and and they need something. So they would block out some rough thing, you know, per the script or some concept art, and then they would pass that back uh, back to us. And then, but that's already working in the sequence. So we would just have to work within that confine or vice versa. Like if the bad is already done with the asset or far along or even halfway done, we would pass it over to previous just so they'll have something to work around for their sequence. So it's not the same department by any means, but, but work very, very closely together. Yeah. That's a really interesting question there, I guess, because if, the, as you said, they, they're working on some sense of this world and what happens in it you're also doing the same thing the art department's right doing the same thing so you're all you're all talking about the same thing something but so so i guess something might originate in one of those three places mm -hmm. and you're going to pass things between each other and at some point coalesce yeah to the and same truth you know it almost becomes like whoever gets their stuff approved first. first yeah, Previous right. approved, like, hey, this is golden, it's approved. Now you're just gonna make <laughs> it looks like ours. <laughs> so like each team's trying to make something cool and show it to the yeah, supervisor first. Totally. Because, yeah. you know, the, the previous artists love making assets too. I mean, I feel like a lot of them do. They have ideas in their heads and then they, yeah. But sometimes it, it that drives, that usually drives me crazy working in the art department the previous would start blocking stuff in and all of a sudden they designed this whole thing and they give it back to us like now you just make it look prettier I'm like dude i was designing that whole thing right they got to it first so that's cool yeah really interesting i've had similar experiences with that too um yeah what uh some again asking what department does previous fall under the previous it's department. It's own department. Right. I mean, pre-production, I guess, but previous is their own department. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm going to squeeze in these last couple. Yeah. Uh, what about hard surface objects, animation, like cranes, loaders? Does VAD deal with hard surfaces objects as well as? You know what? We do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like mechanical stuff, like, you know, moving all of that. And I, a lot of times because my knowledge of control rig is limited. So a lot of times I would just do it in, in, in Maya and bake it out because I'm lazy to learn control rig. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like that's it, it. Not often has it happened. Because sometimes we want to trigger certain things, um, but but it, that, that, it has happened. I feel like that would be a useful thing for us to have, yeah. But not super complex so far that I remember. Cool. Well, another very important question: um, Can you bring pets to work? Um, depending on the pets, I guess. I don't think a pet <laughs> alligator would be allowed, but. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe a small dog, chameleon. Yeah, yeah, a small dog. Yep, chameleon, eagles. You know, timberwolf. Um, another quick one. Um, and then I'm gonna call this with a go. This last question. Okay, so, uh, if you had to pick 
Oh, we'll do two more. Okay, that's it. If you had to pick one aspect of Unreal to really master, what would it be? Um, I would say lighting. Mm. Yeah, I, I would say that because I don't know. Because I feel like you get biggest bang for the bucks if you know lighting really well. Because yeah. you can get awesomely pre-made assets. You just can't get awesomely pre-made lighting. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. You always got to build that yourself. Mm -hmm. Cool. Great. Great answer. Um, and the last one we're going to ask is, is the VAD team or VADs that you've been a part of, are they part of any guild, like Art Directors Guild? 800 etc no but um no none of them have because i feel like and that that's a big debate right now i mean i can get to it into it but it's like are we are we more vfx or are we more art department right because mm -hmm. but they always treat us as more vfx just because we use the computers i don't know so but but the guilds are trying to pull us away like I, I've, I've heard talks of you know iatsi trying to shove the bat underneath the art department guild i don't know who makes those decisions or where it is at the moment but i feel like we fall definitely we fall more into the vfx world than the traditional art department world Got it. i wish it was the other way around you'd like to see some representation yeah yeah totally yeah. cool well that's all the questions yeah, we got a lot of questions today. Thanks to uh, for sticking around and answering them, and uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for joining us here. This has been awesome. Time this has been fun, flown. man. When are we doing part two with this guy? Uh, no, it's the I'd happily have you back anytime. <laughs> um, tomorrow, let's do it. Tomorrow, all right, sounds good. I still have <laughs> um, a bunch I'm more still... for you. Good. I, well, well, let's turn it turn it around next time. And I still have a bunch of questions I didn't get to as well. So we'll definitely do that again. Um, is there anything that you want to share? Anything that you would like? Um, any art station or um, anything you'd like people to follow you um, on, or a movie that you're about to come out, or a book you're writing? Wow, you're putting a lot of pressure on me to do all these things. Now you have to write a book. Too. Yes. Yeah, I know. Mental notes, go write a book. So add one shame yep. in front of the world. Yes. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not plugging anything. Just, you know, being here, hanging out with you is reward in and of itself, man. Um, sitting around talking about this thing, sit around talking about this all day long. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, well, but I'm easily found on Instagram. Name's pun. Not a lot of puns out there. So two ends. Yeah. Two ends. Yes. Pun on yes, Instagram. Pun intended. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, so Instagram, check out pun on Instagram. And yeah, some funny drawings on there. Oh yeah, I remember I used to love seeing your drawings. Yeah. I'm gonna go check it out myself. Yeah. Cool. Not, a lot of, not a lot of useful bad knowledge on there. Just a lot of goofy drawings. Well, the links have been shared already, so. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, happening in real time. That's how we do things these days. Very cool. Thanks, man. Cool. Well, yeah. Thanks again. This has been been fantastic. Thanks very much for coming on. Awesome. Thanks, Ed. It's been so much fun.
and I'll I'll see you again soon. We gotta hook up in person one of these days. Yeah, yeah, I look forward to it. Sounds good. Yeah. And right. uh, yeah, big thanks to all our listeners out there. Thanks for tuning in. We are CG Pro, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. And you can follow us at becomecgpro.com. I hope you all have a great evening. Thanks for joining us.